Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Anyway, um, we're going to read Hebrews chapter 6 again. Verse 17 through 19, because that's what we've been doing. And really, the reason why we're reading it is just to get it down into our heart, to confirm some things inside of us um, about the Scripture. And hopefully, man, you're reading it, but it's becoming a lot easier to read and stuff like that. So uh, if you would join me with the loudest voice you can, right? Kids, man, if you're in here, you read as loud as you want to. Okay, hurt, hurt, hurt your mom and dad's ears if you want to. All right, here it goes. Ready, set, go. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things. Now, remember, I'll stop right there real quick. Remember, the unchangeable things are what? God's word. And God's oath. They don't change. Right? Praise God for that. Okay. So again, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. That means unshakable. Right? We just know for a fact. It's true. To hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Very good. Way to go. That was great. Awesome. All right. Um, Awesome blossom, right? Anyways. Okay, you better watch out because things might be coming from my head today. This is kind of crazy. Okay, but we are in our final two lessons. Everyone's all, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Our final two lessons of uh, being in this under contract series that we've been in. And we've been focusing on understanding this blood covenant contract that we have with God through his son, Jesus. Okay. And the heart of this message, again, is to help us to grow and be fully confident in the integrity of God's word. Right. We read that God, God doesn't lie. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't back down from what he has to say. Right. And so it's helping us understand because we realize that God made an oath, right? He swore by this oath. He made this covenant with us that says, hey, you know what? This covenant is real and is true. It's not something that's just kind of, you know, it's got, you know, all these things that I'm going to at times change on you and go, psych, you know, or whatever. He's going to say, no, I, it's, it's totally true. It's totally real. And it's what I want you to understand and be able to walk in. So if you've missed any of these previous messages, please listen to the podcast. You can do that or you can uh, get all the study guides. I have uh, study guide part one, part two, and part three. And you can go through it. It's got tons of scriptures in there for you to look up to kind of connect the dots and all that stuff. Um, or you can also, um, if, you are, uh, if you're interested, we have, we've kind of been basing some of this on, on this book called God Swears. Uh, by, uh, by his promises. And so uh, we have that book available too if you're interested. Um, but we just want you to get more revelation of what this is all about. Because when you have that revelation, then you can walk in it and be confident that God does not back down on his covenant promises. So our title today is A New and True Covenant Heart. A New and True Covenant Heart. So let me pray and then we'll jump in. Holy Spirit, help us to understand and to recognize our true and new covenant heart. We thank you for it. Amen. All right. So last week, we learned that the primary motivation of God's covenant promises, right, for it to be established and active in our life was based on the fact that God loves us. Right? We had talked about strength and weaknesses and all those things, but really the whole motivation behind it is the fact that God loves you so much that he made this covenant with Abraham. You're all, but man, I wasn't there with Abraham. Yeah, I know. No, either was I. But see, God already knew, foreknew that the fact that there would be those who would come into a, a relationship with Jesus, and he loved us so much that he gave his son. He gave everything that he had. 
And so it's us realizing that, you know what, this, this relationship, this, this love motivation that he had, one, not only did he give us these covenant promises, but then he also gave us this, this new and true brand new heart. That we can walk in relationship with him, that we can walk and, and, and really receive and then also believe for these covenant promises to come in, into our life. But it's all because of what Jesus did for us, right? Because it, it, you can't get lost in that. This is all about because of what Jesus did, the finished work of a cross that enables us to be able to walk in this covenant relationship with him. Okay, and so I was thinking about this, and I think some of you guys would, would agree with me about this, but you know what? There is something about contractual realities, okay? That means like, you know, hey, when you're in a contract, there's a whole bunch of things that, that come with the contract, right? A, a, a contractual reality. But there's something about it when you enter into that agreement, because the, those contractual realities require us to change the way we think, the way we act, and even the way we speak. Now, you might think, well, what do you mean by that? Okay, so let me give you an example. Being single versus being married, okay? Now, when you get married, you enter into a covenant contract, right? Because now you're saying all that I am is now you and all that you are are now me and we're in this covenant contract. But see, when you're single, you're, you don't have to really worry about the spouse or the person, right? Per se. But see, once you get married, it changes everything. You live in a whole different world. Can I get an amen? Yeah. You live in a whole different world. And no longer is it just about your, your thinking and your talking and your actions is no longer just about you. Now it's about us. Right? It just changes. It changes everything. You, you go from a renter to a homeowner. Right? You go from a renter to a homeowner and all of a sudden you, you recognize, you know what? Now I can actually start doing things in my own home. And not having to worry about it. But to see, you take on the responsibility of having to pay for everything. You can't just call the landlord and go, hey, my air conditioning's out, you know, whatever. No, now you got to do it. So what does that do? That changes your thinking. That changes how you process things, the way you act and live. You know, having five kids, I, man, it's like, yeah, we can't afford that. Oh, come on, dad. No, we can't afford it because we got this coming up or that coming up. You see, it just totally changed. But when you're in this agreement, see... Can I just say, I don't like homeowners associations, even though I'm in one, right? But homeowners associations got all kinds of stuff. But you sign it when you, if you're in it, you sign it, and then you got to go by it. Man, I hate getting these little letters in the mail that says, hey, you got weeds in your front yard. Well, duh, right? And they say, how to cure that? Get rid of them. Like, man, it just, oh my gosh, like you got nothing better to do to just look at my grass and tell me I got weeds in my yard. If I could get rid of them, I would, but I can't seem to do that, right? I mean, it's South Carolina. They just grow weeds everywhere. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so, but see, everything changes. Your decisions change, your, your, or your, um, conversations change and all that. And we know that too with homeowners insurance or with your regular insurance. But, but here's, here's the reality of it though. It changes the way that we think and to speak and live because we understand that, you know what, we have rights. Wait a minute, man. If something happens to me in my insurance thing, I'm calling the insurance company and saying, hey, well, how come you didn't cover this? How come you didn't do this? Or why is my deductible that when it's supposed to be this? Man, we are very vocal. When things don't go the way we expect them to go within the covenant or the, the contract, aren't we? Yeah, we, I mean, we don't, we don't bend, right? We're just like, no, this is what you said. This is what it says, so I'm going to stick to it, right? But see, what happens, though, is we see many Christians, though, they don't stand up, or maybe that's not a right word, but they don't consider God's word to be something that they can stand on. And say, wait, 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 because of what Jesus did for me, I have this eternal contract. And you know what? This eternal contract is 
just begins or, or supernaturally changes things in my life so that I can be all that God's called me to be. But a lot of times what we do is we, we continue to think and act and expect or, or, or look at it that, that it's not really true. God's word's not really that true. Because, you know, I, you just never know what God's going to do. But see, why would he write a contract or give us a covenant if he didn't want us to, to, to lean into it, right? Let me, let me give you a, a couple, couple examples. So, we, so just realize we, we can't look at it from a point of, man, it really doesn't exist. No, it exists. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 and 39 says this. And all these things we are more than conquerors. Now, I'm trying to give you an example of kind of that thought where we just sometimes don't think about it. We continue to think opposite. It says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Okay, that means absolutely nothing, right? Will, will, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us from the covenant that God has made that. Now, did you catch what I just said? Okay, nothing is capable of tearing any believer or creating any distance between you and the love of God. Nothing, nothing. There's a preschool song that my wife teaches the preschoolers at, at, at the preschool. And it's, it's called nothing, nothing, abs. And that's what you got to, you got to swing your hips and you got to do this too, right? Okay, but it, nothing can separate from the love of God. Nothing. But see, we live our lives as though we're doing it all on our own. Right? Many Christians, I mean, we believe that truth. Man, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. But then when I start having problems or situations in my life, then we start thinking, man, I'm all alone in this. I, I, man, I, God's nowhere to be found. Where is he? Yet scripture tells us, Nothing can separate you. No struggle that you're walking through right now. No, no storm, no situation, no health diagnosis, no nothing can separate you from God's love. Man, see, but we oftentimes look at it and go, man, yeah, I'm just trying to do it all on my own. I'm just, I, I, you know, no, no one's, it's, it's not happening. And so we've got we to gotta believe that, you know what? If that's the case, then I'm confident that even though the storm's still brewing and it's still coming down hard, I am right, God is stuck right next to me because he loves me and he's going to see me through this storm, right? right. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to be the disciples and go, Jesus, get up, right? They didn't, I didn't necessarily say that way, but just calling out to Jesus, because he said he'd be right, right there. Let me give you another example. Why do Christians struggle in their confidence that Jesus is their great physician then he's willing to heal? Ever thought about that? There's a lot of people that do. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes... You were healed, meaning you were already healed. You see, each stripe that Jesus took had whatever you have written on it. I believe that. He took, every stripe he took was for exactly the healing that we need, no matter what the situation is. Yet, we don't have confidence in that. We don't. I mean, just being truthful. A lot of times, we don't have confidence in that because, ah, you never know. Hopefully, God will touch me. Hopefully, God, you know, and I don't know the details sometimes, right? Because I'll go and pray for people and believe God and, and whatever, and then, and you know what? The healing doesn't happen. But that's not on me. I, I'm just giving it to the Lord. I'm, I, Lord, you take care of that. I, I don't know what that all means. Like I, I told you, my first time in ministry, and, and this little girl had cancer, and I'd go and pray for her, and, and she, she had faith, and she was praying with me, and we were praying and praying, and she ends up dying. 
You want to talk about a man sticking a needle in my balloon? God, what's up with that? He's God. I, I, I don't know what to say, but I do know that God is the great physician, that Jesus is the healer. And so if I got nothing else to bank on, I'm going to bank on that. And you know what? I know she's in heaven, fully healed, fully restored, right? But see, that, that's the thing. We've, we've got to be so convinced. Another scripture, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So in other words, if we have any kind of want or need in our lives, God wants to, wants to fill it. God wants to take it, and he wants to fill it. Now, will it come exactly the way we want it? Maybe not. Will it be in, in, the, in the sequence of how it, we, we want it detailed out? Maybe not. But he promised it, right? He promised whatever need that is. See, God doesn't have a shortage in heaven. He just doesn't. There's no shortage there. But see, we have to link up our faith. We have to link up what we believe is true. These covenant promises that he's made to us. But what happens though is sometimes we don't do that. So we live in the confusion and the frustration and, and the chaos and the fear that, you know what? All the rest of the world lives in. Because we're not 100% convinced that God's going to supply my need. Man, is that, I mean, I, it's talking to me. I don't know if it's talking to you, but it's talking to me. Because there's those times, those opportunities. And so, thinking about it, here, here's kind of two reasons why I think, and, and maybe this is me, just my opinion, so you might not think this is it. But part of these thought, the thought I had was, the reason why that happens, is I think sometimes that uh, people have ignorantly, or religiously limited their covenant benefits to um, the afterlife, right? To, 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 the, to the fact that when we get to heaven, we'll see all of these things come true. And so we kind of put this kind of in a box. And sometimes, again, like I said, it could be ignorance. Just, oh, I didn't know. Well, that's part of the reason why we're trying to, to, to teach this, to give you some tools to understand that it's not just for the afterlife. Yes, it's going to happen in the afterlife too. But it's also for here and now. Man, and if we were to start walking in that and start believing it that way, I, I, I honestly believe things, things would begin to change in our life. Even, even when we walk through storms, man, we'd be like, yep, yeah, yeah, I am. But I got a smile on my face. Because you know what? I, I know that God, nothing's going to separate me from God's love. I know that he's going to supply every need that I have. That's just who he is, so I'm going to be faithful and true to him. You know, and if it's a sickness or a disease, well, hey, man, I believe that Jesus is the healer. That he already took a stripe for whatever it is I'm going through. He already took a stripe for my diabetes. He already took a stripe for my heart issue. He already did. So, man, I'm just thanking him. And have I seen the manifestation of it yet? No, I haven't. But I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep thanking the Lord that he's doing his work inside of me. And I, and I just encourage you to kind of keep, keep doing that too. Right? Or we don't understand really this new, this new uh, heart, this, this true heart that God has d developed inside of you when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Because he's given you this new heart, this, this true heart that's really, really soft and pliable. That, that allows God's word to sink in. That allows God's word to get in there and begin to shape and, and form who you are. But see, if we, if we don't start believing that and receiving that, then you know what? It stops God's from, God from being able to deliver on his promises. Because we, we, we just don't believe that it's true. So let me, let me give you a scripture. It's in Jeremiah 31. And this is kind of what God was talking about or, or uh, about the new heart that he wants, wants to give us. Now, this is Old Testament, and we'll get to the New Testament in just a minute. But let me just give you this, this um, background here. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, 
when I will make a new covenant in the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. Okay, so that's the Abraham, those type of things, the Old Testament covenant. It says, in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, which they broke, though I, uh, I was a husband to them, says the Lord, verse 33, but, right, there's that word, but, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. So he's talking new covenant, right? And we are in the new covenant, okay? Says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. So there is a heart change that God's talking about all the way in Jeremiah, right? He's talking about all the way. He says, you know what? I will put my law in their minds and I will write it in on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man, no more shall ever, every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now, let me paraphrase all that. I'm going to use the book that we, we kind of talked about. But let me paraphrase it. This is kind of what God's talking. Now, when you see, um, uh, let's see, I think, well, I was going to, um, sorry, I've, I've got to look at something real quick here. I think they took it out. All right. So I'm going to probably say a couple words that won't be on here, but anyways, that's okay. All right, so this is, this is paraphrased from the book, uh, uh, God Swears to Keep His Promises. It says, this new covenant is not going to be exactly like the old covenant. In that or in this new covenant, I will provide them with additional strength. In the old covenant, my laws, the terms of the covenant were external requirements. And though they were pure and true, they were unattainable because of the sinfulness of the human heart. But in the new covenant, right, we're partakers of that, I am going to give them a new heart. I will write my covenant laws into their new hearts. Then that will give them the ability from within to walk out the terms of the covenant. So this new heart is key, right? They will know my love and my heart from the least to the greatest. Truly, I will be their God and they shall be my people. So Jeremiah 31 is God promising to give his people a new heart and to provide them this supernatural ability and strength um, from within to walk it out. Now, I'm just going to give you a hint. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Holy Spirit is going to be a part of your life when you accept Jesus as Lord of your life. Your heart begins to change where it was hardened towards with sin and, and the things that, 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 that were separating you from God. Now when you accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, all of a sudden now your heart becomes softened. It should, right? Because sometimes people get like, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to follow it that way. I'm going to try to do it my own way. But you know what, really? Yeah, man, you should be the most tender-hearted person in the world. Because if we look at Jesus as an example, Jesus was pretty tender-hearted, wasn't he? Yeah. He was soft towards people. I mean, he, he, he let them know. Right? He was straight with them. He'd, he'd lay it on the line and say, hey, you know what? You're walking in sin right now. Right? You, you're doing this right now. But man, he was so tender-hearted. But see, God, 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 God wants to give you this heart that begins to just know that, man, it is, it is to your advantage that the Holy Spirit is working in you. It's to your advantage that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. <coughs> and so we're going to jump to Hebrews chapter 10 because... Now God's going to kind of thread this over to Hebrews chapter 10 because of the finished work of, of, of Jesus. He's going to kind of lay some things out about this new heart. And, and, and we'll, get to our, we'll get to the starting point of our, our first point. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 22 says this. It says, therefore, brothers, okay, or brothers and sisters, since we have this confidence. Now, let me stop there for a minute. 
you might not be exercising in it, this confidence, but you have it, just so you know. You have what it takes. You have the confidence. You have it. But if you're not exercising in it, then man, I would ask you to begin to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, build my confidence that, man, I'm your child, that you love me, that I can come boldly into your throne room. I can talk with you and interact with you and that you're with me nonstop, 24-7, because you, you love me so much. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by what Jesus has done for us. Verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, now he's a mediator, he mediates for us. Let us draw near with a true heart. With a true heart. That's the same heart that God was talking about in Jeremiah. Now, I'm going to pause here just for a second and give you this kind of the idea of what the Greek word for true is. It means truthful. You're like, wow, that was really deep, Pastor Scott. Thank you so much. But it means truthful. Now, here's the thing. As an authentic and indisputably genuine. So, when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, our heart begins to soften and it has this ability to come into the throne room in an in, in, in indisputably genuine way. It's not, and I, and I wrote it down, so it's, a, it's, it's different than having a doubting or a distrustful heart. Like I distrust God, I don't know, right? And if, you, if you're in a, in a state where, man, you just, you just, distrust God, then, then, man, you need to kind of get that right with him. Because there is no reason to distrust him. None whatsoever. I mean, he's proved his love to us just by even giving his son Jesus. But there's no reason to distrust him. So when we come to him, we have to have a, a heart that is truly open, honest, pliable, and just ready Instead of kind of being, well, you know, or hard in a sense. Um, it's so important that we just understand that. We can't have a hypocritical heart, right? We, we've got to be able to, it's got to be pliable. And so that leads us to three attributes I just want to share with you today of this new and true heart that really must, listen, be accepted and exercised, right? Exercise. Who doesn't love exercise, right? Me. Anyways, must be accepted and exercised in order to experience this additional strength. Basically, the Holy Spirit working in your heart and in your life, okay? And so, we're going to kind of run this thread through Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to point out something, and then I'll probably hit it a couple times. But the very start of this, um, after it, um, it says, let us, or well, actually right there, verse 22. It says, let us draw near. You're going to see in our three points, the words let us. Because the onus is on us. Because it's already made available. It's already there. But when you see let us three times, I think the writer is trying to get something across to you. Let us. So will you go with me today? Let us, let us go today and, and, and kind of discover what he's saying. He said, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And remember, we're drawing near with a, a, a clean heart, an open heart, a soft heart. With our hearts sprinkled clean from all evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, that leads us to our first point. A new and true heart has the capacity to grow faith. A new and true heart has the capacity to grow faith. And I probably should have said God's faith, just to be honest with you, because really we all operate in faith. Doesn't mean it's God's faith, but we operate in faith. Oh man, I hope this doesn't happen to me, or I know this is going to happen to me. And it's not anything, we, we kind of go with it. Right? 
Okay, so let's see. We got to know it's up to us, all right? But our, our new and true covenant hearts can and need to be set on and wholly convinced that God's word is true and final. Okay? See, the thing is, we got to get beyond salvation faith. Many people just get locked into that and think, okay, well, I got salvation faith because I believe in Jesus. That's great. I'm good. And I'm, I'm going to stay right there. But see, what he's trying to say is, no, 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 no. We got to get beyond just salvation faith. We got to grow faith to a point where, man, we're taking this whole word of God and believing that it's true. That, it, man, it's for me. It's a covenant that God wrote for me. And when I asked Jesus to be into my life, I signed the contract. I went into the contract, right? Jesus signed the contract by his blood. But see, we got to get beyond just salvation faith. Oh, man, I'm saved. Good. To actually living in faith, living this faith out in such a way that, that it's even, I'm going to say, bold, right? And it's got to be true and final to us, no matter how crazy it may sound to our natural mind, right? Because sometimes you might read something in here and you're like, that's crazy, how, how would I do that? I mean, you mean I got to change that? I got to do this? I got to give this? I got to do what? That's the, our natural mind says, no, 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 no. Get off the crazy train. Stop. Jump. Do whatever. But God's all, no, 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 no. That's my train. I want you to be on the train. And sometimes it's not going to be natural in your mind or, or normal in your mind. Right? I mean, I, I'm sure you guys have testimonies of things where people just go, what? You did what? Why did, why, you know what? You give to the church. Why? Well, because God's word says, if I give to the church, then he'll end up blessing me. Yeah, but you know what? You got bills to pay. You got this to do. You got, the, yeah, I know. But that's, I'm on God's crazy train to follow after the covenant promises of what he's promised. So even when our natural mind doesn't agree with it, you do it anyways. That's faith. That's faith, right? And we're supposed to grow our faith. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? We got to remember that our walk of faith is parallel to farming. It's a lot like farming. You know, Mark 4, where it talks about the sower goes out and sows the seed. That's about farming, and so we have to sow the seed of God's word into our heart and continually water it, continually to let it grow so that we bear fruit in our lives. But that fruit is going to come when our faith is growing. Otherwise, we'll just stay in our little box, in our little, little cubicle here, and man, we won't venture out in anything. I got, I, I got saved. That's all I need. Well, yeah, that's all you need, but man, you need a whole lot more because there's so much more to this journey than just staying in our little cubicle of salvation. So much more to it. The Bible says we reap what we sow. Now, you take it to second, I think it's second Corinthians, and it says, you know what? If you reap sparingly, you will, oh, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Right? So if you're sowing uh, sparingly, right? If you're sowing God's word in your heart sparingly, that means just sporadically. Oh, I got some on Sunday. I, I got a little bit here. And I got a little bit here. Oh, I got some on my praise music. Woo! Yeah. Right? And you're just scattering the seed all over. Then you know what? You can't expect that God's word is going to rise up in faith when you have situations and problems that you need to conquer and to come against. You've got to, you, you, you can't, you can't rest on the fact that, man, I just come on Sunday. You got to, you got to get into God's word more. So, and then it says, if you sow um, abundantly, then you're going to reap abundantly, right? Where God's word is going to rise up in you in certain situations. And that's where you can walk in peace. 
When you can walk in, in, in just this, this quietness and people are like, why? Well, man, you are going through a storm right now. Why are you so patient? Why are you so loving? Why are you so happy? Why are you filled with joy? Well, because you know what? I got Jesus. And Jesus said, man, he would never leave me nor forsake me. He'd be with me every single thing. And man, I've got a promise that he would supply all my need. I got a promise to that. But see, that's what's going to help us to be able to reap a full assurance. Right? Remember what the, the scripture, the full assurance of faith. Walking in and having this full assurance of faith. And when that faith level grows, then our hearts, um, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Right? I love that. Because once the word of God comes in, then you know what? The Holy Spirit begins to work. And the Holy Spirit begins to, um, remember Brillo pads? I think that's what they were called. I don't know. Or, they, or the, um, they were like metal, little metal looking things that you would use to scrub pots and pans. Was that Brillo pad? Yeah, something like that. Okay. What was it? SOS, yeah, whatever, comment, whatever that is, right? But, but, but see, the Holy Spirit begins to start working on you and starts rubbing, right? That, 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 so that all of a sudden we begin to think, you know what? Oh, I, you know what? Because of this covenant promise, then I know by faith that, you know, there, I, there is absolutely, let me give you the scripture, Romans 8, 1, because I have it on there. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation, I always say it wrong, for those who are in Christ Jesus, Right? The enemy will come and, and continue to condemn you all the time. He'll continue to say, yeah, no, no, you're not good enough. This is, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And you, you just really can't like, even rest on God's word, on the promises of God's word. You can't do that. Because you know how bad you were yesterday? You know, you know how, like, man, you got mad at that lady at Walmart because she cut in front of you? Oh, you ever had that happen? Oh, man, that ticks me off. Right? Or here's another one that really ticks me off is when you open the door for someone and they walk out and they don't say thank you. I don't know why I get mad, but man, it's just the same thing as the car thing. I just like, like, rude. Like, and I want to say it like really loud, right? But then Heather looks at me like, she gives me that look like, don't you go there. Don't you go, because it's rude. It's like, man, I, I, you took the time. Or they take advantage of you, the fact that you open the door. And then they all start flooding in, all these people. And they don't say anything. They just think, oh, you're the door opener. Oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. Right? It's just, oh, it just drives me bananas. Okay? But see, when, when it drives me bananas, I know that I'm not being a good Christian sometimes, because, man, there's evil thoughts that run in, and i got to bind those and get behind me Satan and all that stuff. Right? But see, that's the thing. We, 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 we got to know and rest in that, that, that this is, this is kind of like this fortitude that God's redemption promise is real in our life, right? The enemy will come, but we, we can lean back and say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop for a second. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. I do not have to walk in this at all. And therefore, I can be confident and I can be free from all of that condemnation from past, present, and future because of what, what the Word of God is doing. And then it says, along with our bodies washed with pure water. Again, these things are only happening because I'm doing it. Not because God miraculously shows up and it's because I'm applying what He's asking me to do. Okay? But it says, our bodies washed with pure words. So our bodies represent our daily life and the pure water is God's Word. Again, it's, it's like what I'm talking about. A new and true heart submits to the Holy Spirit's use of God's word to bring sanctification and maturity in your life. You want, I hope each one of us wants to grow and become more mature in our walk with Jesus. Right? So that when you get to heaven, you have more crowns. Right? Or more rule jewels. Yeah. More crowns, man. How, how would you balance all that? Anyways, you, you got the intent of my heart, right? Again, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think, right? So growing your faith by consuming God's word will change the way you think. 
Right? If you struggle with your thoughts, then I challenge you to get into God's word more. Right? If you struggle with certain things, I challenge you to get into God's word more because the Holy Spirit uses it kind of like that Brillo pad and he's trying to scrape away all the junk and garbage. Right? If I had a plastic brain here, not a real one, right? But if I had a plastic brain here, I would put all kinds of like little like gummy worms all over it, right? Because of all the things that we encounter throughout the day. And those gummy worms attach themselves. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do with God's word is begin to help you take away those gummy worms. To help remove all of that stuff so that your mind can be pure. It can be holy. And not get mad when people don't say thank you for opening the door. So I'm in the journey with you. Right? Let's get to the second point. Right? Let's get to the second point. A new heart or a new and true heart has the capacity to confess faith. So first we looked at it and says, hey, it's got the capacity to grow faith. Right? Because we don't want to be just stuck in our salvation faith. We want to grow beyond that. Okay, and then this one has a true, new and true heart has the capacity to confess faith. Now, take all of this in conjunction with, or, or, or connected to the, the um, covenant promises we're talking about. Okay. Hebrews 10.23 says this. Again, let us. Okay, so this is something you have to do. This is action steps, right? Homework says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Who is he? God. He's he's faithful to it. So it says, right? Let us hold fast. You know, one of the things we have to realize, too, is our faith and our mouth have to be connected. They have to be, right? In order order to receive salvation, the Bible says that we must confess with our mouth and believe in our heart the Lord. See, it's connected. Faith and our mouth is connected. So the whole fast, this idea comes from the Greek word uh, katecho, which depicts strong and dominant possessiveness, Okay? Man, you see this in a five-year-old. When a five-year-old's playing with his game and his little brother or sister come up and they want to take it. And man, no, this is mine, man. Very strong, right? You ever been there? To the point where they're like getting in blows now. They're ready to come, come to it. But see, that, 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 there's this, this nature about that we actually have it built into us. But see, sometimes the enemy comes and he clouds it to the point where we don't hold fast to when it comes to the things of God. Well, you know, God might, God might, maybe, maybe, hopefully, I hope so. I know I've been a bad boy or girl. I hope he, no, see, we're, he says, let us hold fast. Okay. We are supposed to hold fast. And, 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 and if you do a little bit of study with it, it, it's basically kind of giving this picture of somebody seizing it with both hands while announcing, I got it. Right. And like they're, they're desperately searching for something. I mean, how, how often do we desperately search for God's word on a, on a topic or a subject or a situation we're in? How desperately do we search for God's word and then say, got it. I'm not going to let it slip out of my hands. It's not, it's not going to happen. No way. I don't care whoever says what. I don't care if my mind goes a thousand million miles a different way. Man, I've got what God's word has to say and I'm holding fast to it. It will not slip away. Okay, and then what he says is hold fast, and then he says without wavering. And I'm building up to the confession part, but I'm trying to get the idea of the fact is one, we got to hold fast, right? We actually got to go after God's word. We got to search for it, find something that God's speaking to us regarding whatever situation that is, or whatever the Holy Spirit wants us to, to download and get in, and then we're just hold fast without wavering, okay? And that basically means. Something that refuses to bend, something that is fixed and immovable, and therefore stable and enduring. Meaning, you know what, you're not bending from, I've got it, 
I've grabbed a hold of it. It's not going to slip out of my hands. And no matter what comes my way, I am not going to bend. I don't care. Because this is what God said. I don't care what comes my way. Because this is what God has said to me. I will not bend. And, and there's a key word in there, stable. Man, there's something about stable Christians. They're just stable. Right? They're not all over the map. You don't know what you're getting. Whatever. No, they're stable. This is because God said it. And I am a child of God. And I believe that it's for me. So therefore, I'm going to walk stably through every situation that I encounter. So, he wants us to hold fast. Right? Then... He says, we're instructed to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. So we know we've got to hold on to it. We can't bend to it, right? And then basically confession means to say the same thing as someone else, okay? It also includes the idea of saying it with the same passion and conviction of the person who originally said it. The passion and the conviction, right, of the person who originally said it. So you can, you, can, you can quote a scripture, but if you don't have any passion and a conviction behind it, it's not going to do you much good, right? Because there's something about that. It's the fact that, you know what, man, no, I, I've got the scripture, no, it's not slipping out of my hands. I don't care what comes. I'm not going to waver from it. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to move. And so therefore, even if it takes until Jesus comes and takes me home, I'm still going to hold on to this and believe God for it. Right? We do that with salvation. But we don't do it with other parts of God's word. Because if you're saved and you know it, man, then I, I, I can try to talk you out of it. But you're like, hey, you ain't talking to me out of it. I know. But see, we don't, we don't, we don't latch on to God's word in a sense of being able to say, no, 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 no. I, I believe that this is it. I believe that God's word is so true. And so we have to begin to, to vocalize our agreement by declaring God's truth as our very own. I mean, we do this with natural contracts, right? Yeah, you ain't getting away with now fulfilling the contract that I signed. Health insurance. <laughs> man, I, health insurance is crazy. Because you think you got it all figured out, and the next thing you know, man, they pull a quick one around you or whatever. But, you know, you stay straight on. You see. But, but you know what I mean? It, it's us. We, we have no problem vocalizing. But see, when it comes to God's contract, we got to start vocalizing God's contract. Right? We can't. Here's what I wrote. Most Christians, I'm not saying you guys, but most Christians seem to read this verse as, hold back your confession of hope. Because you never know if God is faithful to be, to be um, you know, that he's faithful to what he promised. We hold back. Yet in our prayer, in our, in our walking this out, we should be so confident and so, hey, man, I just know this is what God's word says. And if God's word says it, then, man, it's absolutely 100% true for me. So why not confess God's word? Why not speak it? Now, I'm not saying name it and claim it, okay? I want a red cherry Ferrari. I'm, you know, I'm not, God's not going to give me a red cherry Ferrari. But what I'm saying is, God, you promised you would meet all my needs. God, you promised that you are the great physician, my healer. God, you are the one who stays with me all the time. That you would be my rock. You would be my, my, my shield. See, those are the things where we start looking and say, man, you know, God, I feel so away from you. But you know what you said? That if I would, would rest or I would come and, and rest under the, 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 the wings. Uh, 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 man, Psalms 91.1, I just totally lost it. But, but if, I, if I would come and I would, I would be in your presence that you would be there, that you would show up, that you would guide and direct me. 
So we can't be the person that says, oh, well, yeah, I can't confess. See, your new heart is, is, is developed for you to confess. For you to confess scripture. The third point, a new and true heart has the capacity to live out faith with others. A new and true heart has the capacity to live out faith with others. So again, he's going to say, let us, right? So this is something that we need to develop and experience for this, this new and true heart. Here it goes. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, and, okay? So he's saying, after all of this that we just talked about, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, okay? So in other words, man, Hebrews is teaching us that living a new and true heart includes meeting with other new and true believers. Meeting with others, being engaged, right? In order to stir up, right? There's something about being with other believers that stirs you up, might stir your faith. You know, I talk to people all the time and, and, and they'll say, oh yeah, this brother, I was talking with him and man, they just got me so encouraged. And I just, man, I knew whatever, you know, and stuff. Or, you know, you sit and talk and maybe I, I say something profound, you know, or, or so like, woo, right? And they go, man, Pastor Scott, I so appreciate just hanging with you. Because, you know what, you really spoke something to me and it encouraged me. See, that's what church is supposed to be about. Not just hearing me talk or whoever talk. It's also about receiving God's word. And then all of a sudden you start interacting. And you start encouraging and start, you know, bringing stuff along. But see, the thing we have to understand is this new and true heart wants and needs and has the capacity for community. It doesn't plan on just being going solo. It plans on the fact that, you know what, there's community that's going along. We need people to come alongside us, to encourage us, to love us, to fellowship with, and even to push us. We do. But see, I, the enemy is so good at trying to discourage us from coming to church. He's really good at it. Because a lot of times we feel like, oh, well, you know what? Nobody really cares if I'm there or not. Right? I'm not really that great of a Christian to begin with. I, at least I feel like I'm not. You know, what, what do I have to contribute? I don't really have much to contribute. Right? And the enemy just says, keeps doing it. He says, yeah, you don't fit. You, you don't fit. And so what happens is we, we begin to allow that to pile on and it discourages us from being in the house. But see, that, that's the whole premise of the church is to be together in the house or to be together outside the house. To be connecting and working together and have them building community with each other. So don't be discouraged. Wherever you're at, don't be discouraged. And if you're not discouraged, then I'm going to ask you, pick it up. Right? Pick it up. Someone told me, I met with someone today, and they, they were telling me something. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we went to this church. And, and um, um, this pastor said, you know what? You, 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 know, you shouldn't, he was telling his, his video audience, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be watching on, on your couch anymore. You need to be in church now. And so we're not even going to do our video thing anymore because you need to be in church and all that. So I, you know, I heard it and I thought, wow, that's a pretty strong, bold statement. Okay. And I have nothing against video or nothing against that or whatever, but there's something about the fact of us meeting together, right? And so however people choose, okay, I'm good. But there's something about meeting together and coming together, building community, seeing people, you know, and talking and doing all that. But see, we, we just got to know that, you know what, if, if we are ones that are, don't feel discouraged, but man, we got to step it up and be engaged with people, talk to people, you know, share. I mean, man, it's great having people pray for you. I have people pray for me all the time. Because sometimes I'm a wreck. I'm a mess, right? Yeah. <laughs> She hesitantly looked like, uh, should I say yes to that? But, but you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not like, you know, 
maybe that sounded really bad, and you on the podcast, sorry, whatever, but I'm just saying there are issues, there's things that come up in my life that sometimes, man, I need to turn to somebody and say, hey, would you pray for me? Would you, would you? Because, man, I, I'm praying, but, man, I feel like I need backup. I need an extra uh, person with a bow and arrow, right, to shoot the fiery darts back at the enemy. I just need that. But see, what happens is we try to isolate ourselves sometimes and just try to, you know, well, I don't want to bother that person. I don't want to give too much information. You know what I mean? No. Man, we are in this together. We are supposed to bother each other in a good way, right? (laughs) Not showing up at your door at 2 in the morning. Hey, brother, sister, can you pray for me? You know what I mean. But but that's, that's the thing we have to realize. That we need community. Our heart needs community. Okay? So I'm going to wrap it up here. Okay? I'm just going to give you three action steps to live in this new and true heart. Kind of go along with what our points were. Accept God's word as authoritative truth. Accept God's word as authoritative truth. Remember, these are action steps. Or should I say, let us accept God's word as authoritative truth. Number two. Let us vocalize your agreement with God by declaring his truth as your own. See, so it's going to take faith to build your faith to the point where then you can take that faith and begin to vocalize it and to thank the Lord for what he's doing. And then the last one is um, let us engage in study and conversation with other new and true hearted believers, right? So, so important that, that we do that. But hopefully you understand that as we walk this covenant promise out, as we, we trust the integrity of God's word, and that because we have covenant with him, that we can lean on the promises of God, that we build our faith up enough to the point where we can begin to say, no, this is what God's word says. And it's, it's, it's got to come from the mouth. Right? It's got to come from the mouth. We can think it, but there's something about the power of the mouth, right? Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who eat of it will eat its fruit. So you will either eat death fruit, bad fruit, or you're going to eat good fruit. God is always into good fruit. So we have to be able to, to, to have that in our life. And it's just important we recognize that. So do me a favor and bow your heads for a second. Pray us out of here. Holy Spirit, we we thank you that uh, you're, you're here today. You said when two or three are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. And so I thank you that you um, are speaking to each one of us clearly. You're helping each one of us grab a hold of, of this promise of the true heart that's so soft that 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 can grow in faith beyond our salvation. We can have greater faith beyond our salvation. And that as we grow that faith, then we can begin to apply and confess the word of God over our lives in any given situation. I thank you that that would become so real to us. That, that Holy Spirit, you would, for lack of a better word, brand it in our heart. That our faith has to be connected to our mouth. I thank you for helping each one of us um, grow in that revelation and understanding, Holy Spirit. And then I thank you that as we ended, we talked about just the fact that our hearts need community. Our hearts need to to talk and, and to be with each other and to minister to one another and to just love each other and to study together and grow together. I pray, too, that you would brain that within our heart, too. That every opportunity we have to come to church, Lord, even if it's not something our body wants to do, or even if it's something that, you know, the mind says, oh, no, you can miss. They don't care. Lord, I thank you that that you would brand it inside of our mind that, no, I need to be about my Father's business. I need to be in the house today. And so we're grateful. We are so grateful for what Jesus has done for us. And we're so grateful that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And the Holy Spirit will continue to minister and speak to us the truth of of God's word. 
And so as we leave this house today, I thank you, Lord, that you, you just pour out your blessing upon each and every individual. I thank you that, Lord, this, this would be a, a, a Sunday that is, is just remembered because of, of your presence in their life. And I thank you throughout this week, Lord, that they experience your grace, your favor, your love, everything that you have available for them. Lord, it will rise to the top within their heart and that they would be bold enough to walk it out, bold enough to declare it, bold enough to connect with a, another believer for prayer or for whatever it is. And so I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the, just the, the power of your spirit working through each of us. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.